Hello and welcome to Touchline. My name is Mark Cameron. Tonight in studio we have Nichita's Scrumoff, very well-known public figure, uh, Tian Mayer. Tian, welcome to Touchline. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, firstly, I want to say thank you to you as well for taking time out in your in your holiday here in KZN, obviously visiting family and that to uh, give us some time to have a chat with you and yourself, obviously, and Cheetahs Rugby and that. So thank you very much for the for the time that you've given us. Yes, no problem. Um, yeah, a bit of a breakaway and on holiday and get our minds off things, but um, yeah, we always going on and training and you know it, it's nice to chat to some um, old friends down here as well and and get uh, chatting with you too i can i can imagine that so so i know we're recording and you you on air and that so when you say training i'm assuming that you're not training as hard as you normally do when you're back uh, at the cheetahs but you obviously have a program that you need to stick to and uh, i don't know how it works if you need to give figures and they test you obviously when you get back in the in, into the mix of things. Yeah, end of the day, it, uh, it's our career. So professional sportsman, you you can never take off completely. Um, often call it active rest, um, training away from from the stadium and the the same old. Um, everybody has different ways of training, and you know, getting out there and you know you, you got to keep your body moving and keep your body in good shape you can't just whip it into shape within a week so um yeah you get away get away and um get to clear the mind a bit but um yeah still training hard as as we can and yeah there's testing involved but it's on your own uh onus to come back uh, in a good shape i can imagine and you know i say this with respect to the young guys are, are knocking on the door, obviously, and, and they also want that nine jersey or your winger jersey. Um, so you need to you need to produce the goods other than being a professional. Yeah, it gets uh, it gets easier and harder as you get older. You get smarter, um, know what your body needs to stay in shape, but also obviously we got to stay on it. The, the old diesel engines take a bit longer to to warm up, so if we if we don't do anything for a long time, it, uh, all the joints and everything seizes up and our body feels it. So I like to keep going. Um, yeah, just stay healthy and um, yeah, it'll, it'll pay off in the end. I can imagine. And, and you know, if you, well, at least if you look at uh, your old friend from the Cheetahs that is now flying his trade here for, for a while at the Sharks, so Ruan Pinar, um, you talk about diesel engine. He's a proper diesel engine. He's a, he's a few years your senior. Um, but he's still he's still going strong. So you know, if you if you look at yourself at, at your age, then there's obviously quite a few years that you still got left in the tank, depending on obviously whether you want to continue or not. So it just shows. Um, and we've had a few of those. You know, we've had a Victor Matfield and so can carry on that played until late in their in their thirties. Um, so it does show that if you condition yourself and you stay healthy, and that your career can actually be extended. Yeah, you can only do what you can control. Um, obviously, um, yeah, Ruan is is a great professional and um, a great role model to a lot of the youngsters and and even to me um, working with him and seeing how hard he still works. And uh, yeah, it shows in his performances still. Um, obviously, very blessed with injuries, um, not succumbing to 
uh, big injuries. So, same with my career. Um, I haven't had um, uh, long-term injuries that have kept me out for a long time and haven't affected me going forward. So you've got to keep conditioning um, yourself and, and stay on top of the game. And then, yeah, the rest is out of your hands, you know. Um, you just got to produce the goods. And and I think I'll, yeah, I'll play as long as I, as I can keep performing and, and and then they want me in the team. So obviously the the the, the rugby runs through your veins and you, you're still young at heart and you still want to give it your best shot for a good couple of years and that's that's great from a Cheetah's perspective and obviously from a from a South African perspective because we'd like to see Theon Mayer uh, still play for a for a good couple of years. And if we can just continue on that just to take you back way back if I can say that um, as a as an under 19, 20 year old, when you played your club rugby at Harlequins on the bluff, um, and obviously that's where that's where things started, and that's where I was fortunate enough. I don't even think you'll remember me, but that's where I was fortunate enough to um, also be involved um, as as uh, the senior coach of the first side, and and that, and we had a good couple of coaches obviously coming through. And your under 20 years at at Harlequins, there were a number of quality players. That played um, in your in the two years, if I can call it, that you were there. Some of them have gone on to be professional rugby players. Some obviously have stopped, um, but you continued and you obviously stayed in South Africa. So, if you can just tell us quickly how it all panned out from there as to what made you decide this is what you want to make as your profession, and then obviously you went through the ranks. You you applied your trade at the Lions and you applied your trade at the Sharks. Ultimately. For quite a number of years now, you've been at the Cheetah. So that's where it all ended in the sense of where you are currently at now. So if you can just take us through your journey. Yeah, growing up in in Natal and, um, you know, playing rugby and playing club rugby um, at a young age with, with all our mates and stuff, um, I was blessed to, to be able to carry on with the career that I have um, Joining up with the Sharks Academy, I was able to study and play rugby. Uh, and like you said, I, I, I started off my first year out of school playing at, at Holoquins. And um, we played a, quite a few games in first team level. And at, at that time, we, you weren't allowed to just play first team. And um, yeah, some big men out there, um, you know, and we had a quality side um, playing with, with Pompis and, and, uh, and Swanee at center and uh, um, voter and Johan Sneijman and those, those are big names that have played um, big rugby. And uh, yeah, I got to learn uh, firsthand playing with these guys against a lot of quality club rugby players um, and Sharks players um, at the time. So getting thrown in the deep end was also a great experience and you had to learn quickly, um, especially I wasn't the biggest rugby player out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, I was, I was just totally blessed. I mean, I've played with so many guys that, that really had great talent that unfortunately didn't make it in a professional career, either through injuries or um, not being picked uh, for selection, perceptions of coaches. So that's all things you got to deal with. Um, I've, I've just really been blessed and lucky that, um, that I've had contracts to work with and, and I kept on playing. I mean, uh, after my junior rugby, I had to make a decision to either stay on or um, 
Um, and at that stage, I uh, went to the Pumas to play um, some Curry Cup rugby. And uh, for some reason, it worked out that uh, I think in my first year, I played more games at centre than I did at nine. Um, and I mean, my, I was about 84 kgs, I think. Uh, you know, that was so loud to play in the midfield. Um, and then I got a chance with John Mitchell and them at the Lions to play some Super Rugby in 2012. Um, got a shoulder injury and I actually uh, stopped playing rugby. I uh, came back to Durban, started working a bit, and uh, Rob asked me, uh, Rob Dupre asked me to go play at Rovers. They had the Community Cup with the club rugby. Got dragged back into that. Um, played a few games for the Vodacom Cup and uh, toured with the Sharks Super Rugby, and then I just got pulled back into it. Um, Travelled lots in the beginning. I went to the Lions in that same year, played Curry Cup. And uh, from 2014, I, I headed to Griquas and the Cheetahs. So I've been in Bloom since 2014. Yeah, it's been it's been a great time. Um, really loved it. Really became home for me um, and my family. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. And yeah, I think just totally blessed the fact that I could play um, a sport like rugby. I mean, as, as a boy, you, you dream of playing rugby professionally and, uh, yeah, it panned out. So, so Tian, you spoke about weight and being 84. I think you mentioned it. I don't think you're far off that. I think you're around about 85 now, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. more or less. <laughs> so uh, speaking of that, obviously you've gone on with the Cheetahs now in specifics that uh, you've gone on to play in the United Rugby Championship or the Pro 14 initially way back when um, as, a, as a lightweight, if I, can, if I can call it like that. Um, and there, obviously, you played against great players and international players and that. Um, so if you, look at, if you look at the Cheetahs way back then, um, compared to where they are now, obviously, there's a rebuilding and, you know, uh, the Cheetahs were, were taken out of the Pro 14 some agree, some don't. I'm not going to ask you because I know you're going to disagree as a, as a player and as a, as a cheetah person. And I agree with that statement myself. Um, whether you were taken out or not is actually not the question. Yeah, the question is the way it happened. I think you guys should have had an opportunity to at least play against whoever to produce the goods. But that's a topic for another day. How did you find it then? And the reason why I'm asking you that um, in the first few games of the United Rugby Championships this year, you were obviously part of the Sharks. So I'm going to come back to that one. So when you were at the Cheetahs playing Pro 14 as a, as a new team and you played there, obviously the Kings, Southern Kings or played there as well, um, how did you find it then? Oh it, oh, it was such a whirlwind back then as well. Um, we got kicked out of the, the um, Super Rugby for whichever reasons. Yeah, look, it, it was sad, but it opened up this opportunity and um, won't go into specifics, but the cheetahs uh, worked really hard and and ended up um, connecting with the pro fourteen. Got pulled into that with the kings. Um, we lost a, a number of players in that year, um, obviously because you're not knowing what's happening. Um, within a month or two, everything got finalised, and we had to play for, uh, pro fourteen and curry cup at the same time. Um, we traveled, we actually did really well that year. Um, we, we played in the quarterfinals uh, and lost, um, but there's, there were a lot of games. 
we had to learn a lot. We played great rugby in South Africa. We played running rugby, played uh, traditional cheetah rugby, scored lots of tries, um, and we beat some some big teams and big names. And uh, obviously, playing abroad it was a different story. Um, luckily, we we adapted quickly, and and we were quite close in a lot of those games. Uh, made it into the playoffs and did really well. Um, yeah, the next year was a bit more difficult because then you're also losing a number of players, the contracts ended, um, other opportunities, or still not knowing what's happening. So there was a lot of uncertainty um, with the cheaters in the last uh, um, four or five years, uh, which made it very difficult, but in the same time, opened up a lot of doors for a lot of players. No, I can imagine. And, and look, obviously, South Africa in general followed the Cheetahs and the Kings um, in that because it was the first time that we had provincial sides playing uh, in the north. Uh, obviously, they came down here as well, which was quite exciting. So if I, if I can just go to this year, in the first four legs of the current United Rugby Championships, obviously, uh, the Sharks, the Bulls, the Stormers and... Um, Who's the other one? The Lions, sorry, are all part of that. Um, you were drafted with Ruan Pinar. You were drafted into the Shark setup. Obviously, you were there for the first four legs playing abroad in, in, in the north. What was the setup like there compared to, because it was obviously new for the Sharks as well, and you guys coming into the Shark setup would have, would have brought quite a bit of experience into the team to, to tell the players and coaching staff, for that matter, as to what it's like playing abroad. But what was the difference between the Sharks now and, and the Cheetahs then when you guys went up? Um, I, I think we had a lot of um, continuity in the sense that um, with the Sharks, they had, a, they had their core base of players playing, obviously lost a lot of players for international duty and then some injuries. Um, they had a bit more continuity, I guess, but all uh, everybody still had to go through a lot of the same headaches. Um, a, a big number of the of the group didn't play overseas, so they had to learn um, the experiences. I mean, even with my second year with the Cheetahs playing abroad as well, we you can tell a player how it is um, until they experience it. It's not the same, so you can. Yeah, you can do as much as you can to try and prepare the players, um, but it, it's a lot different. Um, not just the weather, the the whole culture, the the way the uh, the refs interpret the match, all those things. It's very frustrating because I mean, you're not necessarily wrong, but the ref interprets it, it differently. differently. And, yeah. So um, if I you know, judges and refs and all that. No, 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 hundred percent. And obviously, cultures are different. So what I'd like to ask though. You, you came in for a short period of time. Um, yes, it's professional sport, and, and yes, you you get to know a lot of the players that you were now teammates of. I'm talking, referring to the Sharks now when you guys went overseas, but traditionally, the Cheetahs play the Sharks. So, so yes, you are friends, but you're enemies as well, if, if it makes sense. Now you had to obviously join the Sharks with Ruan, and you guys do it for a month. How is it to get into a side, obviously, 
you need to you need to learn their culture now and get along with everyone. As a senior player, I suppose there's quite a bit of respect coming your way, which is which is great. Um, and they don't see you as a youngster anymore, and you don't have to carry the bags and do whatever happens on tour. But uh, how is it to adapt to something like that? Uh, obviously, in a professional era, it might be slightly different. But how did you adapt, knowing that you're only going to be there for a for a short period? Oh, I, I I went with the mindset of enjoying myself and. And as much as I could give advice to them and try and teach them things, I learned a hell of a lot from them as well. I mean, the whole coaching staff, um, the, 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 the team environment, I mean, the Sharks are doing something special at the moment there. And um, the whole culture is really, uh, you, you spoke about carrying bags as a senior or junior. There's nothing like that. Everybody's the same. Um, and it's a lot like that at the cheetahs at the, at, as well, you know, um, you know, no one's better than the next guy. And uh, that's what, you know, that's what really bonds a group. Um, you can learn from each other and it doesn't matter how many games you've played, you can always learn from each other. And it was really a great experience um, speaking to the coaching staff, speaking to a lot of the players, you know, learning from each other and enjoying it. I mean, we, we played in the Curry Cup against each other. Then we toured together um, three weeks after the tour uh, the Cheetahs played the Sharks there in Bloom. I mean, I was playing against Ruan. Um, you know, when you step over the line, it's it's a competition. But, I mean, it's it's always a lot of mates there. And um, I, I think it just builds the respect the more you know the player. And you, even if you play against them, it's, it's, it, it just gives you a bit more respect for the guy. So, um, yeah, it's really enjoyable. Um, yeah, I had, had great fun. And... Uh, yeah, it was better than doing preseason at that at that point with Peters yeah, no, anyway. I can yeah. So, so just in that quickly, and just in a, a few seconds, you said when uh, obviously three weeks later, you, uh, the Cheetahs hosted the Sharks in Bloom. You guys obviously beat the Sharks. Um, was there a bit of a banter going on and and things like that? Obviously, nice nice stuff, you know, tongue in cheek type of things. Was it was it nice to beat them? Yeah, it's always nice being on the winning side. Um, they they looked at preparing for the URC and um, uh, they had Scarlets the next week. So, I mean, they also wanted to um, try a few things. They were also in the uh, in trying to type of training, training week for them. Um, we needed the win. We also wanted to build our team and get the guys combinations and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it really was a great match. Um, the guys chatted. Obviously, you have a bit of banter when you get a gap there individually, but there wasn't. It was really played in good spirit. So yeah, it was an enjoyable match. Yeah, it's great to hear. And, and you know, that's uh, rugby. Well, all sport, I suppose, but rugby brings that special bond. You know, um, years after you've retired, one will always be mates, and you'll meet someone the other side of the world and come back to something that reflects way back when, you know, so it's also always nice to know. So, Dian, if I can just ask you this question, obviously, as I said, you were part of the Sharks for the first four weeks or so of the, of the URC. Um, if you can just tell the listeners, was that a planned thing? Um, are you still part of, the, part of the setup, if I can call it that way, and you are going to be brought in and out? Or what happened that you come back to the Cheetahs? Because obviously you're a quality player, and uh, a lot of your fan base would have liked you. Well, they like you to see you in the, in the white and the orange. But playing in the URC, they would have liked you to to stay at the Sharks. 
Yeah, look, it, um, it was always going to be a short-term stint. They had some um, injuries with Jaden and, and Adnan and Grant going up to the Springbok, um, the international duty. So it was always just going to be a, a short-term stint. Um, and um, I was contracted with the Cheetahs. So um, it wasn't going to change. Ruan was contracted a bit longer um, to, well, for that extra two games, um, covering nine and ten. And they had players coming back um, and coming back from injury and stuff. So, yeah, it was always just going to be a short-term thing. Well, it's a, it was obviously a sad loss for the Sharks. And, and being a, a, a Durban boy, it was a sad loss for us to, to watch you as well. So what I want to ask you now is with regards to the Cheetahs, um, there's a lot of talk that obviously the Cheetahs were kicked out of the Pro 14, and but there's a lot of talk about the Cheetahs moving to the north again. In a, in a, I don't think it's been confirmed yet, and I don't know how much you can say. Um, but if you can just enlighten us a little bit as to what might happen and my, what might not happen, because personally I think it's, it's great for South African rugby to explore playing in the Northern Hemisphere. I think we learn a lot. A lot of our players that had left our shores, that still play for the box for argument's sake, have gone over, come back better players. So I think it's good for us. Yeah, well, I can't really tell you anything I don't know. Um, we sure. don't, there's nothing confirmed. Um, it's all just talk and that's the frustrating part from a player's point of view. And I suppose for the company, um, there's a lot of role players making decisions and, uh, you know, it doesn't get made overnight. Um, I think COVID obviously playing a big role, but I think a lot of it was before COVID. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but I, I think it will be a great benefit to SA Rugby. Um, the more players play in top competition, the better. Um, it's, I mean, if you can only have 60 guys playing on a weekend at a high level, I mean, that's the guys you're choosing from. So... Um, the more players playing at a high level, learning from from different trades. I mean, uh, from Italy, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, they all have their own unique style. So if you learn to play against them, um, you don't necessarily have to play their way, but you learn a lot of traits, speaking to the coaches when you're there, speaking to to players when you're there. Um, you learn to look at your game in a different way, and, and if you use it to your advantage, you can grow as a player. No, 100%. And, and I agree with that. You know, if you if you take our franchises out of it and you look at SA Rugby or the Springboks Pacific, and that's where we're going towards as, as we're playing the next World Cup is in France in 2023. And I think it will stand us in good stead with all the players that are playing in the north because they'll be accustomed to the weather conditions. They'll know a lot of them would have played in France or against French teams. Um, and it's going to be a it's it's going to be a cracker. So I I agree with you 100. Um, percent Dion, then if I can just ask with regards to the sharks, if we can move back this side, seeing that you're visiting here now, let's let's stay for the sharks. Um, when we when we restart, I think uh, it was announced yesterday or today that the, the the restart of the URC would be on the 22nd of Jan. Obviously, our first few weeks would be home derbies yet again. And then we will start yeah. hosting and playing away against, against all the other guys. The Sharks, like all the other franchises, would have learned quite a bit now playing against the Northern Hemisphere. Unfortunately, obviously, when they came here, the Munsters would have played here and so on and so forth. And then COVID struck, so we couldn't play at home. But they did go overseas. They played there for four weeks. They, they 
would have learned quite a bit. Whether they would have learned enough and obviously could put that into play is a, is a different story. But do you think going into, if I can say the rest, if it doesn't stop again, but into the rest of the tournament, the Sharks in particular, because you were part of that now, would have learned and they would do things differently and they would actually adapt. And I think with all the box coming back now, it would, it would also obviously benefit them. How do you see us going? Oh, look, the, the team grew uh, immensely. I think the, the, the amount of exposure to, um, to that type of rugby for a lot of the, the younger players um, was great. And at the end of the day, it builds your squad depth. If, if someone gets injured, that's in the starting lineup. The next guy's already played overseas. He's been in the setup. Um, so I think it was really beneficial for the, for the Sharks to have played there with the group that they did and now getting the boost of all the international players. Um, they, uh, the last, in those, in those four weeks, they really grew immensely, learned a lot. Um, yeah, I think they'll do really well. I think from, from management, coaching staff, um, down to all the players, I think everybody learned, um, and they, luckily the environment there is, is to adapt and learn and, and, you know, uh, I think they'll, they'll take on the challenge and, and they'll do well. Um, if I can also just ask this, if you look at the Sharks now, obviously Sean Everett and the Sharks have recruited quite a quite a number of foreign international players coming into the system. Surely yeah. it could go both ways, I suppose. Sometimes it could be a little bit disruptive because they need to learn the patterns. But I mean, it's professional now, but they need to learn patterns. And sometimes with these guys coming back in, um, different cultures and, and so forth, could there possibly be a... a a negative link or is it just purely professional obviously the our local players will learn a lot from that but uh, because these guys now need to play for their places and they do the local guys not feel under threat that the coaches have now brought these international players in and then there's maybe a niggle or anything like that or doesn't it work like that oh look it's always going to be like that because it's your job on the line you're getting paid to do something if someone else does your job uh, better or gets perceived to be better than you, um, your job could be on the line. And um, but it's never a personal thing. Um, it's not the the other guy's fault. It's not the international player's fault. It's the same with our guys going overseas. You know, you you can't blame a guy for doing it. So um, in essence, it should lift everybody's standards. Everybody should be working harder for their spots, um, learning from each other. But I, I must say, there's no animosity. Um, amongst the players usually um, in any team I've, I've been at you know you just end up uh, for any professional sportsman um, you have to be competitive to be in the game and you'll just want to grow and learn and and be better so yeah you got to do your your part and for as long as possible and that's great to hear because they do say rugby is a gentleman's game so it's good it's good to hear they're coming from you um Another, another one of our players that you would have played with him uh, in the first four or four legs of, of the competition is Dylan Richardson. Um, he obviously went to went on to play for Scotland and he was he was capped playing over there. He's a youngster. I think he's probably 10 years your, your junior. Um, he would have learned quite a bit there as well. So if you look at a guy like him, coming back into the squad, being... being exciting and and wanting to give back obviously as a as as, as now international player um 
knowing the Sharks, knowing Short Everett, they would all obviously uh, welcome him back and want to hear from him how it's been and that. But a youngster like that that has now gone on to play for another country, um, do they get brought back into the into the system as well? And obviously they can they can impart with quite a bit of knowledge as well what is whatever has happened there. That in itself, for from a South African point of view, in the sense of professional rugby, not Springbok rugby, because we've obviously lost him unfortunately for that. Um, that in itself should should stand the Sharks in good stead. Yeah, I'm sure he was in meetings with various of the coaches um, trying to find out what um, perspective the, 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 the Scottish um, coaches work with. How did they look at things? How did their coaching um, work? How did training sessions go? So there'll be a lot of talk about that. Um, I'm sure he'll look at his game a bit differently. He would have had feedback from those coaches on what they think he should work on or improve on or what's great in his game. You know, um, so there's always a learning. And I think um, if if you move away from that, that's where you're going to have problems. But I think um, a youngster like that, he's keen and eager and, and really wants to learn. Um, yeah, he's motivated. Um, you know, there's there's lots of competition at the Sharks at loose forward as well. So that's always good, good for him. Um, I think long term, it will obviously definitely be a benefit for Sharks rugby and SA rugby if he's playing here. Um, and if he can go and come back and bring back the feedback, you know, um, from from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, just in closing, from a from a Sharks point of view, um, with regards to Tian Meyer, will we see Tian Meyer wearing the black and white again, and obviously near future? Uh, nothing on the cards at the moment, but um, yeah, I'm always open. Um, to coming back, um, my family's this side, my in-laws are all down this side. Um, we really enjoy this side of the country. Um, it's a great setup at the Sharks. I think they're really striving to to be one of the best uh, franchises, not only in South Africa, but in the world. Um, so there's big things happening. Yeah, so it'd be great to be part of that type of thing. But uh, for now, uh, not yeah, no, I hear you. No, I, I just had to put it out there because you are a local boy. Yeah. So, um, and you are right. The Sharks are striving to be the best. Um, I'm sure you are aware of this. They will be playing against Saracens early in the new year, um, up in in the north, obviously at Saracens. So, all these things are are the things that Edward could see us putting together for them and and the journey going forward. Um, and then yourself, Dion, obviously on holiday in Durban. When do you go back? When do you start with the Cheetahs again? And then uh, you guys start with the Curry Cup, I'm assuming, in, in Jan, Feb? Yeah, the, the Curry Cup starting early Jan. So, um, yeah, staying as busy as possible. And that first week, everybody gets together again. So, um, yeah, I just got to stay fit and uh, stay healthy, enjoy the festive season, but not too much. And then... Yeah, joining up as soon as possible. Right, and then just in closing, um, Tian Mayer, the cheetah, let's call you the cheetah because you, you are part of that franchise now. Um, are you maybe not thinking of retirement or whatever, but your, your short-term goal is still to be part of the franchise for two or three years, or what is in plan for Tian? Yeah, I, I 
like we spoke earlier, I'd like to play rugby as long as possible, as long as it's um, worth it. Um, obviously, you have to think about after rugby. It's it's such a temporary type of career. Um, I've got to think about my family and my wife and my kids as well and um, all that. So as long as it's worthwhile, I'll still try and play rugby. Great. Diana, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, obviously more so that you are on holiday. I know we've been chatting for a number of weeks to try and get you involved in the show. Um, but now you're on holiday, so we had to grab you while you were here. We wish you and the Cheetahs all the best in the Curry Cup and whatever's going to happen in the North. And we can't wait for that because your brand of rugby is, is really a, a, a decent brand and different to, to what the world sees us in playing. Um, so wish you well. And your family, enjoy your time here with your family and we'll definitely chat soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dion. Keep well. It's been great to chat to you. Cheers. Okay. Then we're moving on to some exciting news that uh, Mamsam Toti Rugby Club has officially launched the, or the book is uh, the, our 75th year anniversary book. The Heart of the Terriers has been finally hit the, the, the media and we can proudly say that uh, we're in the market to, to have it sold. So with me in studio, I have the editor of the Heartbeat of the Terriers, Thurgia Price, that has worked diligently in, in trying to, to make all of this happen. Many hours have been spent with, with the crew and the, the cost, I don't even know what you call them, the cost. To, to make this make this happen. So Thursia, firstly from, from Touchline side, we want to congratulate you for, for putting all this together. Um, I don't know if the listeners do know, but it's it's not a week thing or a two week thing, it's months preparation and planning. Firstly, I know um, how involved you've been in this and obviously the, the staff that have been working tirelessly with you on this. Um, so well done on that. If you can just tell the viewers or the, or the listeners um, what this is about, this book, obviously it's a 75th thing. So we will, we will later, at a later stage, we'll get into where it started and that. But what makes this so exciting? There's many people that have asked the question after we've launched it now on, on Facebook and that where can they find it and what it's about. So if you can just tell our listeners, because it's 75 years of history that is piled into this book. Um, and we've got, we've got players and, 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 supporters from all over the world that are, that are quite keen on getting their hands on this. So if you can just give us a rundown of it, and then I'll show one to one, by the way. <laughs> Good evening, Mark. It's brilliant to be on the side of the microphone. Nice to have you. And um, to chat to the listeners about the book. Obviously, just to put it in, in the right context and perspective, the author of the book is um, our esteemed Mike Greenaway. And um, Kiba Media, with whom I've worked um, as an editor, is the publisher of the book. So in that regard, we need to firstly acknowledge Mike for his yes, phenomenal um, work on, on putting the words together. Um, and then, yes, we obviously had a fantastic experience working alongside Mike and um, helped with recording, for example, all the anecdotes by old boys, which was an incredibly, sometimes emotional yeah, experience, you know, as the chaps remembered and, and I get goose 
fresh just just remembering that golden thread um, of everyone's stories was just we loved the game we we loved Amans Mutati Rugby Club the pride of playing in orange and black and it didn't matter how unprepared they were as George Snowdy would say they were men of honour and they would pitch up to play the game and yes to be part of, of that kind of heart of the Terriers was an incredible privilege so I think that's what readers can look forward to is to read obviously the factual history but then also that spirit of the South Coast Terrier of course as dubbed by Joss Robson and um, it's, it's a beautiful read that takes you through the history, the players' experience, the growth of the club, changes that needed to be made, various people that worked extremely hard to always keep the club going, the big build-up to um, the Murray Cup winning 2014, um, and, and various aspects of growth that club rugby has experienced. So yes, I think for for South Coast Terriers, as well as just people who are fond of club rugby and follow club rugby, it's going to be a treasure to, to have on their cotton table. So I can I can just assume, not not being privileged to have read it myself, um, but just hearing all the corridor talk every time we, we get into studio and when things are happening. Obviously, when we talk about the history of, of Mems and Tokyo Rugby Club, in this specific book, there won't be only positive stuff. There will be some negative things possibly or things that, that pull whoever to the sideline because like club rugby is in South Africa, it's not always an upward curve. There's always something happening. Um, when I say negative, I don't mean negative necessarily to the club itself. I look at COVID for arguments. So COVID mm -hmm. is a negative in club rugby worldwide. So it, won't, it would be a nice read um, and I think there would be fond memories part of that and, and, you know, some of some of our members of the Mems and Tokyo Rugby Club that are mentioned in the book um, might have passed on, but their families, they are the ones that could get their hands on their book and, and you know, yes, give it to I generations think, to come. I think it's a beautiful memento, um, you know, even for the older players that, um, you know, their children will, will have that, that memory of it. And, yes, there are negatives. You know, the, the club rugby scene has gone through a huge dip with COVID, um, but then also just individual challenges, you know, things that, that fell away, support and um, sponsorships, um, challenges with the school boys um, and the way in which they can't play at certain age levels against their, their club members. So, so people have had to learn to adapt. And I think that whole evolution um, of club rugby also is, is nicely uh, discussed in the book. So it's just a generally, I think, interesting read. It's not just a photo album. There are photos in the book, but I think uh, Mike really tried to to write a book. You know? So um, for rugby enthusiasts, I think this is going to be great holiday reading. So People should make sure that they get their copy this week. No, and get it, it in the Christmas stuff. <laughs> Hundred percent. And look, I agree with you. It, it, this isn't a book solely for for men's and Tokyo rugby club followers or members or players or so forth. This is a book that could actually be read from any other club or any other place in the world. And a lot of it 
I can only assume could be related to their goals. I'm so sure. I think yes. I think it's a great. So with the launch, um, the hard copy is out now. Where would listeners be able to get their hands on this? How do they go about? And then obviously there's there's costs involved and so forth. If you can just tell them, because Christmas is around the corner, so it's only a few days. It's only a few days. <laughs> um, obviously, shipping is going to become challenging, but for the local folk. Um, we have a great solution. So let's start at the beginning. The Amazintoti Rugby Club has a Facebook page, and um, I'm sure that they will pin the book post to the top so it's going to be easy for people to find. And um, on that post, there are three options how people can purchase the book. Either they can choose to go online on the club shop, where there's also nice merchandise, also a great right, stocking filler. Yes and um, buy it online, um, then they can they can elect not to pay the shipping, I think, I'm not entirely sure, um, if they want to collect locally. Then they can also do an EFT, so the bank details are on that post, um, you know, if they don't want to do the online thing. And then lastly, they can also phone me, my telephone number is on that post, um, to arrange an appointment to actually come and swipe their card and collect the book in a hard copy. So if they've done an EFT, they can do the same. They can just pay the EFT, WhatsApp me the pop, proof of payment, and um, arrange to come and collect. Now, I'm just going to be a little bit strict in terms of uh, time per day, because uh, I don't want to run to the yeah, gate. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. But, um, yes, so, you know, for Wednesday, Thursday, and even Friday, up until... Before Christmas Eve, people can still come and get their book and surprise the loved one in their life, a dad, a granddad, a brother, a husband, somebody who used to be part of the club or now, you know, the, the current players. So obviously this is for the ladies out there as well. No, perfect. <laughs> and especially for their husbands and ex-players and yes, so forth. Yeah. So is there a limited Yes, there's only a limited amount of books available, and we've already sold about, I think, 25 copies. And it um, only went live uh, to, uh, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. yesterday Great. it went live. So the, the guys are phoning and saying, give me my copy, and I'm saying, send me the pop. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. But, um, yes, so there's about 200 copies left, sure. and um, I think people are going to have to jump. To get their hard copy. Great, T. Thanks very much for that, and and once again, well done to to yourself and, and all the others. Kiba Media that were that were part of it, and obviously Mike himself. There's other role players that we didn't mention, obviously that also had a, a massive role to play in this. But that is something Huge. that's something Huge. that we'll discuss in, a, in another show. So thank you for that, and and thank you for keeping the Amazon Toki flag flying high. And I think the the community hopefully would. Uh, give you a call one of these days to get their hands on that because as we said there's only a limited amount and when it's long as well. So thank you for that. It's a huge pleasure. Thanks Mark. Um, then just in ending quickly uh, we just want to congratulate Franco Mostert and his wife on the birth of their beautiful baby boy today. Um, hopefully you'll also don the Springbok colors in years to come. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better Christmas present than that so Congratulations from Touchline. And just in ending, on behalf of Casper Els, who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, he's on holiday. Um, the production team and myself, Mark Cameron, 
We wish all our listeners a very blessed Christmas with their families. For myself, Mark Cameron, and Patchline, have a blessed rugby week.